bottom of the Tzadik test, Samit Beis, two lines from the bottom. It's obvious to me, when you have water, so you have water on top of water, basically, in any cup or in any water, any pool of water. That's the place where water settles, and that's its Hanukkah. So meaning if you take, pick up part of that water and take it out to the Rishasarabim, you're picking it up, you're picking up a water from a place where that's where the water is settled. It's a, it's a qualifies for an Akira, and you pick it up and you put it in the Rishasarabim, you'll be chayiv. We had this Gemara before actually on Daf, uh, where yeah. is it? Daf Hey or Daf Vav or something? Okay. So, what's if you have a nut, a walnut that's on top of water? So, and you, then you take that walnut and you pick it up from the water and you place it down. That's not a place where the walnut is settled. It's floating and it's not settled in one place, and therefore that's not the Hanocha of the Egois. And when you pick it up, you haven't lifted up something which is Munach, which is settled in a place. If you have a walnut that's inside the Kaili, and the Kaili is floating on the water, and now you picked up the Egois from the Kaili and you took it out into the Rishusarabim. What's the din? Mahu. Ni Yamrinan do I say Bosagas is Linam. Look at the knot itself. Where's the knot? It's inside a Kali. And therefore it's settled in the Kali and you did an Amalacha. Bahanayach, it's settled there. Oidilma Basakali is Linam. The Egois is inside a Kali and the Kali is on the water, which is floating and it's not settled. Vahalainayach, it did not settle over there. Takel. So that question is not resolved. Another case, Shaman al Gabiyayin. If you have oil that's floating on top of, of uh, wine, of course, the nature of oil is that it doesn't mix with the liquid, it remains floating on the top. So the same question applies over here. Do I say that because it's floating on top and it's touching, it's one entity, it's all like one liquid, and therefore, if you remove the oil, you did a proper akira? Or do I say, no, <clears throat> no, the Shaman and the Yayin are two separate entities? And therefore, you did not do a proper akira because it's not it's not settled there. <coughs> Only because the case in the Mishnah that it's about to quote says wine, but the same shaila would be oil and water as well. Same question would apply. So the Gemara says machleikes benuri This is the argument between Rabbi and Benuri and Rabbanon where they speak about this exact subject regarding tumantara. It says in the Mishnah shemen you have oil that's floating on top of wine. And then you have a tvul yayim that touches the oil. Now when the tvul yayim touches the oil, he's such a low level of tumah. Now he went to the mikveh that day and he can't yet eat truma until at night if he's a kayin. And if they were talking about the oil and the wine, which is truma. And the question is, the tvul yayim touches the oil. He did not touch the wine. Should I say the moment he touched the oil, it's as if he touched the oil and the wine, because the oil and the wine is one entity here, they're touching each other. Or should I say, no, he touched the oil, but, and then the oil is a secondary thing that touches the wine, and it's not going to make it tummy, because the oil becomes tummy, and it's not strong enough of a tummy to transfer the tummy to the wine. It's metame, but it's only poisal, meaning it makes something tummy, it doesn't make it tummy enough to be metame something else. That's why there's the question there. So, let's see again. He touched the oil. He only made the uh, oil itself tame. Whenever you make something tame, to the extent that it can't make something else tame, the Mloshan that the Mishnah uses is pasal, not tame. So it only makes the oil tame, and then the, the wine is a separate thing. 
They are connected one to the other. The oil and the wine are chibur, and therefore the oil and the wine both become puzzle, become tummy, because it's one entity. So the same thing applies over here regarding Shabbos, regarding taking off the oil from the wine. You have a pit in the Rishos that's deep, ten tfachim, and it's wide, eight tfachim. So this is a Rishos It has the dimensions for a Rishos he threw inside of it a mat that fell, fell inside the bur. This case is poshit. This is the main chiddush is the next case. But how about a case of chilka b'machzeles? He threw it in and it had such perfect aim that it landed right in the center of the bur. And now this machzeles, this mat, is serving as a separation in two parts of the bur. Right? A wall right in the center of the bur. So now the question is, is he going to be chayiv or not? What's the issue? Once it serves as a separation in the middle of the boy, it doesn't have the minimum dimensions that a Rosh needs. Because on both sides of this uh, partition now, you have less than 4 by 4 Tvachim. It had exactly 8 by 8 Tvachim. Now with a partition in between, it doesn't have that, those dimensions on either side anymore. So Abaya says, Potter. So therefore he's going to be Potter. Now the Gemara relates this back to a Shiloh that we had before that Rabbi Yechenin spoke about. Rabbi Yechenin says, what happens in the case where a person has a bird in the Rishus Rabbim, which is nine tfachin deep, or ten tfachin deep actually, and he throws a layer of earth into the bird, and by it landing at the bottom of the pit, it turns it into nine tfachin deep. It fills it and it's only nine tfachin deep. Rabbi Yechenin had a Shiloh about that. It wasn't so Pashitim whether Yechai have a potter. So the Gemara says, here, Abai, according to his opinion, it's obvious to him that when the Mechitza lands and it creates this partition that takes away the minimum size that it needs for the Shusayachid. So, for sure, the case that Rabbi Yechina was inquiring about, when you threw in a layer of dirt into a boyer and it's there at the bottom, and now it's only 9 Tvachim high and not 10 Tvachim high, for sure that's going to be Mavatl the Mechitza. The earth at the bottom of a bayer is much more permanent and part of the existence of the bayer than a mechitza that's in the middle of a bayer. So if the mechitza in the middle of a bayer, a bayer considers to be a partition that now takes away from its dimensions, for sure the earth that lands at the bottom of the bayer, that you'd be potter. Le Rab Yechenen, on the other hand, Rab Yechenen, the Mibayel Lechulye, when he had a question regarding the layer of earth that you threw into the bayer, and it takes away from the height, and it's only nine, um, so in that case, Rabbi Yechenin had an Iboya, because over there there's a Svarah to say that the earth actually becomes part of the Boyer and it takes away the dimensions of the Boyer. Regarding a Machzeles, it would be Pasha that even Rabbi Yechenin would agree that it's not Mavatl the Mechitza of the Boyer and he would be Chayev. True, it's separating, it's making this partition in between, but it's not part of the Boyer. It's a partition that happens to be inside in that position. But it's, it's not like the earth that becomes part and parcel of the very existence of the uh, bird itself. And in this case, Rabbi Yechen would argue on, Rabbi, on Abaye and say that you'd be chayev. Omar Abaye, another case Abaye said, A pit in the Rishus which is a muka sara or It's deep, ten tvachim, and it's wide, four tvachim. So it has the full dimensions needed for Rishus HaYachid. Malaya mine, but it's full of water. Vizarak he threw inside this pit. Chayev, <coughs> Yechayev, even though it's, full, it's filled with water, that doesn't, the water does not take away from whatever height and the depth that it is. Yeah, it's all just for itself. So you're going to be Chayev. Milea Peres, however, it's, if it's filled with fruits or any other solid objects, Vizarak you throw into it potter. 
You put the paytas actually fill it and it takes away whatever dimensions it has. Why isn't it like a post in Hmm? Why isn't it like a post in If you go on a roof of a house and not buy it, let's see if you just go down. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what you're saying. I'm not sure. One second, let's see the Gemara over here. So paytas mevatli mechitzta. What it's saying over here, my time, I skipped the line, sorry. My time, what's the reason for this difference? Water does not take away from the mechitza that's there. It's liquid and it can go through. It could, whatever you throw inside could land at, land at the bottom. Right? Or others say that the reason is even when you have water inside, you can, you can see the mechitzas through the water. But, but the peides are mevatli mechitza. We learned this clearly in Ebraisa. If you throw from a yam, which is usually a Carmelis, as we'll see soon in the, the Gemara Namad Beis, a yam has the Allah of a Carmelis, and you threw it into a Sratya, into a highway, into a Rishusarabim, or Mina Sratya Liyam, from a highway into the yam, you potter, from Rishusarabim to a Carmelis, you potter. Abshimin Aimer, Abshimin says there'll be a case when you chayev. Im yesh b'mokim shizorak, oma kasara, v'rochav arba, chayev. If in the place in the yam where you threw right over there, there is walls of the yam that are tall, Ten tfachim, and it's wide for tfachim, then you will be chayev. So therefore we see that Abshim says this exact thing, even though it's filled with water, nevertheless, if there's an area where it's clear that it has a depth of ten tfachim under the, under the inside the water, and it's tall, and it's as the width, the right width of four tfachim, you'll be chayev. We had this a few times already. A person throws in a shusar abim, four, four amas. No, it's different, of course not, yeah, exactly. So next time when you go to the mikveh and it's frozen water, then it's a... Yeah. When you throw four amas in the shusarabim and it lands on, the, on, a, on a wall. If that landed on a wall higher than ten tfachim, you're throwing it in the ear, it's a mokim p'tur above ten tfachim in your potter. If you threw it in the Rosh and it landed on the wall below ten tfachim, it's like you threw it on the ground and you'll be chayev. You threw four amas in the Rosh on the ground, you'll be chayev. So we had this question already before as well. If you're throwing it and it lands, it, 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 it lands on the side of the wall, it, it didn't land there. It bounces off, but it didn't land there. It's talking about a fatty fig that sticks to the wall. If you threw something above ten tvachim, and over there it um, landed inside a small hole in a wall. So we're talking about a wall that is above ten tvachim here, right? And it has the dimensions. It's, it's wide enough that it's four tvachim wide. Okay, so if this little crevice that it fell into in the wall would be carved out a little bit more, carved out by four by four, so the place that it landed would be Arishusayachit. It's ten tvachim high, it's above ten tvachim, and it's four by four tvachim. But over here, this little crack in the wall that it fell into is not four by four tvachim wide. It's just a small crack inside of the wall, and that's where it landed. So, what's going to be the halacha? So he says, This is a machlekes about uh, a mezuzah that you have regarding this case that Rabbi and Rabbanan argued about. We had this also in the Gemara before already. What's the halacha regarding a mezuzah? What are the minimum dimensions of a doorway to have behave in a mezuzah? It has to be ten tvachim tall and four tvachim wide. 
if you have an archway, where uh, if you look at the middle of the archway, at the top, it is 10 Tvachim high, but at the sides, it's not 10 Tvachim wide. It's, it's 4 Tvachim wide, but at the sides of the archway, it's not 4 Tvachim wide. So what's going to be the din? Is it Chayv Mezuzah or not? Says Rab Meir, the Omar, Rab Meir, the Omar, Rab Meir says, We imagine as if that part of the archway at the sides are carved out and it is fully 10 Tvachim by 4 Tvachim around and around, not just in the middle. So you mashlim it and it's Chayv. So over here as well, you'll be mechayiv in our case as well, when it fell into this crack in the wall above 10 Tvachim, and the wall is wide enough to be 4 by 4 Tvachim, although there's only a little opening of a small crack, but it's as, we're mashlim it, we imagine it as if it's fully open because the wall contains that amount in it. Regarding the we do not imagine because it contains that space, we don't imagine as if it's carved out. So in our case, he also won't be chayiv. It doesn't have the minimum dimension of 4 by 4 tvachim. We learned this clearly in Abraham. He threw something and it landed in a place, in a wall that's higher than 10 tvachim. And it landed in a small hole there. Rab Meir says you're going to be chayiv, like the case of Mezuzah, the Chachamim Paitrim, and Chachamim say you are Potter. How are, they, how are those cases similar to each other? It's just a question of whether you, it's not, it's, it's Mezuzah and, and the Haitzah have nothing to do with each other. One is an archway that is basically a, an opening, and one okay. is a hole in a wall. Right? Okay, the Gemara does bring up that difference, I believe, before. Good point. I believe the Gemara does bring up that question, that it's not necessarily compared. If I remember correctly, the Gemara brings that up before. But here the Gemara just says that we do compare them. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav as follows, Tail Hamaslakit, when you have the Shusarabim, right? So the Shusarabim is not always flat. You have hills, mounds going up and down. So if you have a mound in the Shusarabim, so it's, it's an incline that Hamaslakit Asara Mitoich Arba. It, it gets, it's an incline, it's this little mound that reaches to the height of 10 Tvachim within the space of 4 Amis. Okay, so it's... Like it's, a doorway. Huh? Like a doorway. You're getting okay. always a 10 okay. over 4. Okay, yeah. So, but, it, no, the, the, the point of here is you can have a, a mound or incline that goes up very gradually. It, it reaches to the height of 10 Tvachim after 10 Amis. It's a very gradual incline. And then you have an incline that's steeper and it reaches that height within four Amis. So then he says, You threw from Rosh Hashanah on this little mound, Chayev, you'll be Chayev. Because it reaches that height of 10 Tvachim within four Amis, it qualifies for Rosh Hashanah for itself. We learned this also in Hebrew. A Mavoy, which is an alleyway, the way it was then, and they built when they had the three sides that were enclosed and one side that was open to the Rosh Hashanah. So inside, it's flat, it is a flat ground. But then going out, going down to the Shusarabim, it's a slope, you have to go down. Or when you enter from the Shusarabim into this alleyway, it's flat. But then, and then there's a slope going down to enter inside the Mavoy. So this Mavi does not need, on the fourth side of the opening, the usual recognition of whether a, a, a post, a lechi, or a kaira, or a crossbeam, to enclose it to be able to carry in it. says, If you have a mound that reaches the height of 10, 
within four Amis, when you throw on top of it, Chayiv, you'll be Chayiv. So here we see that ben Gamliel said this halacha as well. No, it doesn't say correct. In the first, the first thing, it doesn't say. Yeah. You're right. And then you have to see in Rashivi here. I'm not 100 percent sure. I remember now, but it doesn't say right. Yeah, there's a shir in Rashi. Okay. What happens if a person throws something, and his intention was to throw it a space less than four amos, within four amos, less than the shear to be chayev. But in his galgal, chutzal daladamas, but it rolled outside of the daladamas. Potter, it's going to be potter, that wasn't his intention. As we learned already, the malacha is only if a person does it the way he intended it to do, and he intended it to be less than four amas. Chutzal daladamas, the person intended to throw it outside of the daladamas. Vinis galgal, it toich daladamas, and it flew outside of the daladamas, but then it rolled back into the daladamas. Chayiv, in such a case, he will be chayiv. Okay, and as Rashi here says, we'll see in the Gemara, it's not even talking about a case where a person threw something outside of the Dalaramis and then it bounced back. We're talking even in a case where you threw sort of a very light object and it's a very windy day and it flies outside of the Dalaramis. Let's say one of these little uh, airplanes, one of these little paper planes. You threw it outside the Dalaramis and then the wind blows it right back. So it did fly that space outside the Dalaramis and then it comes back into the Dalaramis. You'd be chayef. Even, with, uh, even without... Touching the floor. Yeah, let's see. Let's see the Gemara here. Correct. Frag the Gemara in this case, in the second case of the Mishnah, when I went out of the Dalaramas and then it came back, it didn't touch the floor. There was no Hanokh. There was a Hanokh. There was a did it did rest on a mashuhu. So as Rashi explains, and we'll see it in the Gemara as well, it doesn't mean Nochal Gabi Mashu that it actually had a physical Anocha on something. Nochal Gabi Mashu means it paused for a moment. When the wind blew it back, so it was going first in one direction, then the wind comes and turns it back, it paused for a second there, and then it came back into the Dalaramas. That's what he means when he says Nochal Gabi Mashu, and you'll be Chayev. Okay, and as Rashi explains, we're talking about a case where it entered into the place outside of the Dalaramas below three Tvachim. Below three Tvachim, there's Lovud. And it's, it paused. It had to have paused there. Tanya we learned this as well in Abrai says, Zarak Chutzl Daladamas, he throws it out and it went outside of Daladamas, Vidachfasai Horuach. And the wind pushes it back in, Vichnisasai, and it goes back into the Daladamas. Even if the wind pushed it back out again, potter will be potter, because it went back in first. If when it went outside the Daladamis, and his intention was to throw it there, and the wind held it there, it paused it there outside the Daladamis. So over here you see, it doesn't mean necessarily that it actually landed, but it paused there outside of the Daladamis, even if it came back in, you'll be chayev. That's what's coming up right now. Very good. Very good. So, the Gemara, Omar Rav, said, in connection to what we're learning here, and going back to the concept of Kluta Kemishon so what was the Machlaikis between Rabbi Kiva and the Rabbanon? Rabbi Kiva says, Kluta Kemishon when something is contained in a Roshos, it's as if it landed there. And the Rabbanon said, We don't say Kluta Kemishon Just because it's contained in the Roshos, it's not as if it landed there. So, Rav says, Toich Gimel Rabbanon. According to the Rabbana that disagree with the concept of even if it's within three Tvachim to the ground, it has to have some kind of a Hanacha on Mashu, which means either that it rests physically or that it pauses. It has to pause 
over there in order, in order to, to be chayiv. Okay, so if something's flying downward, there's no right way for it to really pause unless it actually lands. So the Rabbanon, basically, the Gemara is saying, is arguing on Rabbi Kiva regarding this concept of Klutke Mishahuncha, even when it's within three Tvachim to the ground, they still will say that you only chayiv if it actually lands. Which, which would mean, if you remember, we had before in the Braise where it said clearly that Toich Gimel, they don't argue. The mother brought, I think, even two Braises where it said Toich Gimel, there's no argument. But Rava is saying that there is an argument, even Toich Gimel seems to be contradicting what it says before. Taisus talks about it, the Rishayna talk about it. But that's what the Rav is saying here. So Yosef Mareima was sitting and he said this halacha. So Ravina says to Mareima, Isn't this what we see in the Mishnah here? Right? It said in our Mishnah that it rolled out of the Daladamas and then it came back in. And Rabbi Yechenin says that when it went out of the Daladamas and then it came back in, you only chayiv if it actually paused there, even if it was within three tvachim to the ground. So Rabbi Yechenin already said this, Pshad in our Mishnah. Why did the Rabbi repeat the same thing regarding the opinion of the Rabbanon? So he answered him, no, it's not. It's a bit. Rabbi wanted to say, uh, clarify a point here. What is that? Our mission is talking about something that's rolling or flying in, flying out. So when something is rolling or flying, it's in the wind. So the wind pushes it this way, pushes it that way. So therefore over there, it wasn't destined to land in the spot that it was outside the Dal Damas. And therefore, if it didn't, it didn't pause there or it didn't rest there, you're not going to be chayiv. Even the Avil but over here, the case that Rava was talking about, according to the Rabbanon, Kivin the Seifel Anuach. Here he's talking even in a case where it's Kluta and it's gonna land over there. So I would think even before it lands, once it reaches within Lava to the ground, it's destined to land over there. It's as if it already landed. Therefore he says that no, the Malacha is not done until it actually lands to the ground. So now my nafkimina, so it's gonna end up landing. So Lukhairi is anyway is gonna be high. My nafkimina. It stops. Uh, how is it gonna stop? Outside of Arabia. Uh, if a guy if a person throws something from a Rishusiyakh to a Rishusarab and it's flying downwards, and it's gonna land on the ground and it's it's gonna hit the ground in Mamish in a split second. So he's telling you that you only chayiv once it hits the ground. That's the completion of the malacha, not before. Okay, if a bird comes, no, no, I hear you. So Rashi here says, an afkamina would be like a karb machatos. You only chayiv a karb machatos when the person is a shaygik throughout the malacha. If you remember that you did a malacha a second before the malacha is done, you're not chayiv a karb machatos. So if right before it hits the ground, he remembers, so he's not going to be chayiv, even though it's already leveled. Zok de Mishneh. So now we go to the yam. You throw something in a yam for Amis, your potter. A yam is a Carmelis. It's not a place where the rabbin goes. It has the Allah of a Carmelis. If you have a pool of water, this is in the middle of the Shusarab. You have a pool of water and people walk through it. So if you throw into it the length of four Amis in the Shusarab, it's considered to be part of the Shusarab. What's considered to be a pool of water that's still part of the Rishus HaRavim? If it's not 10 Tvachim deep. So that's something that the people in the Rabbim will walk there. Now the Mishnah is going to seemingly repeat the exact same thing again. If you have a pool of water and the Rabbim walks through it, if you throw into it, it's part of the Rishus HaRavim. So the Gemara will immediately explain what is the repetition in the Mishnah. 
Amale. Huh? They walk through the water? Yeah, they walk through the water. Many times you walk in the street and there's a puddle. People will walk through the puddle. One of the Rabbanon said to Rava about this Mishnah here, the, the obvious repetition in the Mishnah. The fact that the Mishnah repeats the, the, the case, the actual case itself, that there is a place that right, the fact, just, just the very fact that people walk through this pool of water in the Rosh Hashanah. So the fact that the Mishnah repeats this case twice, so that I can understand. This is what the Mishnah is telling me. The first time around the Mishnah says it. It's teaching me that even walking when it's not comfortable is considered to be a hiloch. It's a place where people walk and therefore it's part of the Rosh Hashanah. And then, however, at this point, I would still think that if there's a place in the Rosh Hashanah that you could use not walk, but you use it, maybe that would not be a place that's part of the Rosh Hashanah. As Rashi here brings, and we had this before, when you have sort of a pole that's in the middle of the Rosh Hashanah, where people position their packages with it, exactly. So I would say that that's something that sometimes people could use in the Rosh Hashanah, but it's not part of the Rosh Hashanah. Maybe it's only the actual hiluch where people walk through. So therefore, it says it again to teach me that even that is also a, a good Tashmish. Right, so it's the Mishnah saying, repeating it a second time to teach me that it's not only the Hiluch, but even the Tashmish Al-Yedayat any kind of use in middle of Rosh Hashanah is considered to be part of the Rosh Hashanah. Elo, Rekak, Rekak, Trey, Zimni, Lomali. The Halacha that it says, that has Zayrik, Betoyche, Dal, Rames, Chayev, regarding this pool of water in the Rosh Hashanah, and why does it say it twice? Lomali. Answers the Gemara, We had this also in the Gemara before. Once it's telling me this halacha to the summer, and once it's telling me to the winter. And what's the difference? It's Rihi, and you need both of them. The Gemara will explain it in two different ways here. If we would only say once in the Mishnah, I would say, Only in the summer will people walk through this pool of water. People do walk through this pool of water to cool themselves off with this water. In the winter, it's freezing cold, light, people don't want to get themselves wet, they're not going to go into the water. But you could also say the opposite. If it would only tell me in the winter, then I would say, Since in the winter, people are dirty, it's muddy, and people are dirty anyways, So, so, so they'll walk through a puddle of water, they, they, they're anyways dirty. In the summer, when it's, it's mostly dry, and a person's clothing is clean, so he's not going to want to walk through this pool of water. So therefore, the Mishnah tells me that both in the summer and the winter, there are people that walk through this pool of water, and it's part of the Rosh Hashanah. says the Pshat on this Mishnah is different. The reason why it repeats it is for the following reason. So I would think to say, if it would only say it once, I would say that maybe this is only if, it's, if this pool of water is not four Amis wide. If it's four amas wide, people are not going to walk through this puddle of water. They're going to go around it. It's small enough, it's narrow enough for people to conveniently walk around it. So therefore it wouldn't be part of the Shusarab. So therefore the Mishnah says it a second time to emphasize that the only thing that matters is the depth. If it's ten tefachim deep, people don't walk into that. If it's not ten tefachim deep, people will, no matter how wide it is, people sometimes do walk through it even if it's easy to go around it. 
Ravashi says the same point, but in the opposite way. It's Tzarech, we need both cases in the Mishnah. I would think to say, I would think to say that if this is wide for Tfachim, so then it would be part of the Rishos Rabin. If it's not wide for Tfachim, so what happens then? People can just easily jump right over it. If it's wide enough, you can't jump over it. So you have to walk through it to get to where you want to go without going around it. But if it's, if it's not wide, that's when people skip it. They jump over it. And therefore, it's not part of the Rishos HaRabim. So that's the Chiddush of our Mishnah, that even in such a case, I say that people do walk through it even though it's easy to jump over it. So the Gemara says, Rav Ashi is following his opinion that he said somewhere else. Rav Ashi said, Haiman the Zorak, person throws, from Rishus Yachid and Vinach, and the item landed on Rishus Rabim, where? Aguda de Gamla, on a plank on a bridge. So you have a bridge which is 16 Tvachim wide, and there's one plank on the bridge which people don't usually walk over. It's positioned in a way that people don't walk over. Some Rishayim say that it's a, a loose plank in the bridge that people avoid, sort of. Mechaev, but Ashi says you'll still be Chaev. Shaharei Rabim Boykin Boyk. The fact is that people do walk through it, people do, do step on that plank as well, and therefore you'll be Chaev there as well. Same thing over here with the water, that even though people do sometimes jump over it, but enough people will walk into it, and therefore it's part of the Rishos Rabim. Okay, the next Mishnah, continuing with the halachas regarding a yam. Hazayrik min ayam liyabosh. Person throws an item from the yam, which is a Carmelis, onto dry land, into a Rishos or Uminayabasha from, from the dry land, from Rishos Liyam, into the Liyam, which is a Carmelis, Uminayam Lasfina, or he's taking something from the, from the water into a boat, or Minasfina Liyam, or from the boat into the water, Uminasfina Lechaverta, you're transferring from one boat to another boat on Shabbos, Potter, there'll be Potter for all of this. None of this is a malacha. It's either going from a Rishos Rabin to a or from a Rishos HaYachet to a or from one Rishos HaYachet to another Rishos HaYachet, which is not allowed if it's owned by two different people, or you didn't make an Eruvi Chatseris, but you'll be potter. Sfina is kshura izu bezu. If you have boats that are tied one to another and there's no gap between the boats, they're tied together. You're allowed to carry from one to another if it's owned by the same person, or you made an Eruvi Chatseris. If the two boats that are near each other are not tied together, even if they're right near each other and they're touching each other, you're not allowed to carry from one to another, as the Gemara will explain. Even if you made an Eruvi Chatseris, still, because they're not tied, a gap could open up between them, which will render the Eruvi Chatseris ineffective. Eruvi Chatseris is only if there's no Carmelis in between. So therefore, you can't carry from one boat to another unless they're actually tied together. So now the Gemara will explain how a person would be allowed to get water from the yam, or if he wants to use drinking water, if it is drinking water, to bring onto the boat, if he's on a boat in Shabbos. How do you get the water up from the, from the uh, lake or the ocean? Not an ocean probably, because it's salty water, but from... I don't know. Any, well, that's it. He wants the water for another reason. For another reason, exactly. So how are you going to get that water onto the boat? Itma. So we learned the following argument. Svina, you're on a boat. Ravuna Omar, Ravuna says, the only thing you have to do is, you stick out a rod from your boat, and you can now, you can go and fill water from the, uh, from the lake and, when you, and bring it onto the boat without a problem. 
What's the point of this rod? As we'll see in a moment, it's just about making a hacker. It's making about uh, just a kind of recognition to remind you the Chachamu made this takana to make this hacker of sticking out a rod. But the emes would be mutter without that. We'll see. Rav and Rabbi Barav both Rav and Rabbi Barav say, no, you can't do that. You can't just stick out a rod. They say, you have to actually create four partitions, like a full partition of four walls that you place into the water. And then inside those partitions where it's surrounded from all four sides and it becomes like a Rishosayachid, then you could draw water from that place onto your boat. But not just stop sticking out a rod. So the Gemara explains, Rav Huna, might say, man, is this called Shur? Rav Huna says, you could just stick out a rod, and you could fill up from there. Kasav, Rav Huna's opinion is, Carmelis, me'adam ashkinon. In the halach of a Carmelis, let me just explain before we go inside the Gemara here, the height of a Carmelis, just like a Rishasarabim, also goes only up until 10 Tvachim. Above 10 Tvachim, there's no Carmelis. Above 10 Tvachim, it's a Mokim Ptur. So now when we measure the water here, where we, we, from where are we measuring the height of this water? So he says, from the riverbed, from the bottom, under the water, that's where you measure its height. So therefore, when you're bringing up the water into the boat, that's a mokim p'tur, that's above ten t'vachim. So you're bringing water from a mokim p'tur into the boat, which is a Rishus HaYachid, that you're allowed to carry from a Makim P'tur into a Rishus HaYachid. Not a problem. Obedinu, and therefore really, Chathchila, Apiyadin, the Ziz Nami Leilabai. You shouldn't even need to stick out this rod to make any recognition. Ela, the only Chacham made out Takana to do this, Kehechid Lehevelei Akeda. They want you to have a Heker to remember that you're not allowed to carry from a Rishus HaYachid into a Carmelis. Self, self, it sort of looks like a Carmelis because the water has a din of a Carmelis below. You measure it from below. Over there, it's a Carmelis, so it sort of looks like a Carmelis. So they made this halacha to make this heker. But otherwise, Bamisa would be allowed. So therefore, you can do it just with sticking out this rod. They both say, no. You have to actually create partitions and it should look like a Rishusha Yachar, and that's where you fill it up from. Kasavri, they hold Carmelis Misfasmai Mashkinon. You measure the height of the Carmelis from the top of the water. That's where you measure its height. So Maya the water is like a uh, like a flat land. It's like like Yabasha, like dry land. So if you're not going to create these four partitions, you're carrying from a Carmelis to a Rishusayachit. It's not above ten Tvachim. You measure from the top of the water. So therefore, you have to create a partition that it should be carrying from one Rishusayachit to another Rishusayachit. Since when does water have an amashas enough to make like a landing zone? The whole Pegas and Mayim issue. That we said before, that the Mayim does not create any right. So that's benigayat to the depth of the boyer, whether it takes away the depth of the boyer. Right. But benigayat to the dimensions of its, of its own rishos, to be considered a, as a rishos for itself. There's a nut on the water that is not considered If it's a nut on the water. So that, the, the nut on the water, so that's another thing we had about water. The nut on the water, the point is that it's floating and it's just not stable. It's not st- settled. So that's... And, and water, legabe another rishos, to be mevatl another rishos, it's not mevatl another rishos, but legabe itself, that it is a caramelis, the water it's is a... Surface. That's its surface, and that's what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. According to Rabbi Barav Hune and Rav Hune, that said that... Um, 
The Oma, again, Oma le Rav Nachman le Rabbe Baravur. Rav Nachman said to Rabbe Baravuna, Ule Ravuna, according to Ravuna that said, the Oma, Maitzi amen is this kolshu, all you have to do is just stick out a rod on the mala, and then you can fill up the water from there. Zimmin, the Leka Sare, the Kometal, the the basis of his whole opinion is that looking at the bottom, the riverbed all the way at the bottom, it's already, four, it's already ten Tvachim deep, and therefore this is a Malkim Ptur, it's above ten Tvachim, but maybe the ship is uh, floating in a place where it's not ten Tvachim deep. Amalei, so he answered, no, Gamrinon, we know the Ein Sfirim Aleches Bepachas Masar. We're talking over here about a big ship. And therefore, it is not a ship does not travel exactly in a place that's less than ten tefachim because it's submerged. The heaviness it's submerged into the water and it doesn't travel in a place less than ten tefachim. But the Gemara says, wait a minute. It's possible maybe that by the edges of the ship, a boat is usually a ship is not usually like a box, square box. It it slants at the end, ends of it. It slants up and maybe from that. At the, even if the ship were in the middle, where it's submerged into the water, it has to be ten tefachim deep in order to be able to float. But at the edges of it, maybe over there, it's not ten tefachim deep. And when you carry from the water into the boat, it's a place where it's not ten tefachim deep. So the Gemara says, no, that's not the case. Why not? They have sailors that stand at the edges of the boat and they are standing with rods going into the water to make sure that they're not going to get to a place that's not going to be 10 tefachim deep because then they're going to get stuck. So therefore, even at the edges of the boat where it comes up and it's not submerged so deeply in the ground, still they, sticks, they have sticks in the ground to make sure that it's not going to go into a place where it's going to get stuck over there. Okay, we'll stop over here for today.